This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the governor has relaxed just about all of the regulations designed to slow the spread of COVID-19. Some of you may die, but it's a sacrifice I am willing to make. Whoops, that was Lord Farquhar from Shrek. My bad. This is Ron DeSantis. End of June and July, um, you, know, you know, were tough not only for Florida, but through across the Sun Belt. Uh, but you've seen steady, steady progress uh, going in this direction. And so uh, we need everyone to be able to go to work. Uh, we need people to be able to be in school. And that includes Miami-Dade, one of Florida's hotspots for coronavirus. The school board doesn't want to reopen all the classrooms until mid-October, but Florida's education commissioner says he has grave concerns about that and wants in-person instruction to start two weeks sooner. The governor has also banned mandatory mask rules imposed by cities and counties and has pardoned all the inconsiderate asshats who got a ticket for refusing to wear one. There's a meme circulating on Reddit right now that pretty much sums it all up. It describes Florida as, quote, God's waiting room, now with shorter wait times. But DeSantis says the state can get back to business as usual because Florida is prepared for a second wave. It's something that we're going to have to deal with. But doing that from a fetal position where society flounders, people are out of work, kids aren't in school, that is not going to work and that's not the way forward for us. Today on the Sunrise Interview, we'll hear from Michael Carlson of the Personal Insurance Federation of Florida, who says your homeowner rates are going up because of all the middlemen. There is a really effective cottage industry of lawyers and others who become involved as intermediaries between the homeowner and the insurance company. Their, uh, their goal as intermediaries is to profit. They will come to the homeowner and say, I will represent you. They might be a public adjuster. They might be a, a lawyer. They might be what are called loss consultants. They'll say, hey, I will help you get more money from your insurance company. And in the case of the, of the lawyers, they'll say, and if you don't get what you want, we'll sue the insurance company and I'll make some money. That has helped drive up the cost of claims. We'll also have your political calendar of events and check in with a Florida woman who raised $12,000 to help pay the final expenses of three murder victims and then spent it all on herself. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Monday, September 28th. We're on our own, Florida. Governor Ron DeSantis has ended almost all the mitigation efforts to try to limit the spread of COVID-19. He says restaurants are free to do business at full capacity without social distancing or masks. And if a city or county wants to impose any limits, they have to clear it with him first. We are moving into uh, what we initially called phase three. Uh, and what that'll mean for the restaurants is that there will not be limitations uh, from this, the state of Florida. And in fact, uh, we're also cognizant about the need for business certainty. Uh, there have been some local closures and, um, and other types of restrictions. And so uh, the order will guarantee restaurants uh, operate, uh, will not allow closures. Uh, they can operate uh, at a minimum of 50 percent regardless of local rule and then if a local restricts between 50 and 100 they've got to provide the justification and they've got to identify what the costs are involved with doing that are uh, and i think that that's important this is a very difficult uh industry to succeed in uh, the margins aren't great and if you go back to march we were told 15 days to slow the spread so that was in, in florida we followed we followed that it was no dining restaurants, the, the bars, the gyms, uh, no elective procedures, some of these things. And then they said, well, you know what, we need another 30 days. So 30 days to slow the spread. So we did that as well. 
And yet, you have some people say, well, you can never do uh, you know, full what you want to do until there's a vaccine. Well, we don't know, hopefully. But now people are saying, hey, even if there's a vaccine, it's still going to take another year before you can operate appropriately. And uh, you know, I don't think that's viable. I don't think that that is, is acceptable. Um, and so I think that this will be, be very, very important to the industry. And it also will be a recognition that they have worked as hard as anybody to create safe environments. In fact, the idea that government dictating this is better than them making these decisions so that their customers have confidence, um, I think is misplaced. And I've gone to many restaurants over the last uh, many months, and, uh, and they take this obligation seriously. They want customers to have confidence, and so they have every incentive uh, to want to do that uh, going forward. We're also saying in the state of Florida, everybody has an opportunity and the right to work. Every business has an op the, the right to operate. You know, some of the locals may be able to, you know, they can do reasonable regulations, but you can't just say no. You can't say no after six months uh, and just have people twisting in the wind. The only mitigation measures that remain are the limitations on nursing home visits, because seniors are the ones most likely to die if they're infected by the virus. But those rules have already been relaxed so people can start visiting again. DeSantis has also granted clemency to every dumbass in Florida who received a ticket for violating mask mandates imposed by local governments. So what I did do in there is, um, just as an act of executive grace, all outstanding uh, fines and penalties uh, that have been applied against individuals are suspended. Uh, I think we need to get away from trying to penalize people for social distancing and, and just work with people constructively, you know, put out the, the, what you want, um, but to, to, to impose some type of penalty of either, some actually have jail sentences attached. I don't know if that's actually been done, but I looked at some of those. Um, you know, but, but all, these, all these fines we're gonna hold in abeyance and uh, hope that we can move forward in a way that's more collaborative. Over the past week, the state health department reported 736 new fatalities, 17,000 new infections, and more than 1,000 new hospitalizations for COVID-19. But DeSantis says Florida's pandemic peaked back in July, and it's time for everyone to get back to work, regardless of the risk. And what have we seen since the third week of July? We've actually seen more economic activity, more interaction, schools have opened, all the theme parks are open, more people have visited, and what has happened with hospitalizations? COVID positive hospitalizations are down 76% since the July peak. ICU hospitalizations are down 72% since the July peak. Daily admissions for people getting admitted for either uh, confirmed or suspected COVID has declined by 81% uh, since that mid-July peak, and the ED visits for COVID-like illness are down close to 80% as well. Uh, I think what we've seen is um, we've been able to put more people back to work. Uh, all these indicators have gone down since July. You know, the end of, end of June and July, um, you, know, you know, were tough not only for Florida, but through across the Sun Belt. Uh, but you've seen steady, steady progress uh, going in this direction. And so uh, we need everyone to be able to go to work. Uh, we need people to be able to be in school. We have over 1.1 million students who are in person having instruction. We've had schools open since at least August 11th in parts of the state. 
and, and certainly uh, at least a month almost every place in the state except southern Florida, although Palm Beach County is open for in-person and, and, and Broward and Miami-Dade are going to start soon. Uh, so that's very, very important. Our universities have people that are in-person, in the students, uh, that's important to do. Uh, we have uh, college sports, we have high school sports, of course the NFL um, with fans in most parts of the state, uh, which, I think is, which I think is great. Florida's reopening does not mean you are safe, like we said back in May. It only means there's room in the hospital if you get sick. And DeSantis doesn't seem too worried about a second wave of COVID-19. We're prepared if we see an increase. We're not closing anything going forward. But I think if you look at our hospital capacity, if you look at what we did to marshal the, the latest medications, uh, if you look at we, what we've done to help with all the PPE and the testing and everything, uh, you know, we have the tools in place uh, that we need. Is there going to be a true, a true second wave? Understand, the Northeast wave was March and April. That was not our wave. Our uh, Sunbelt all uh, went in the, in the June, July. And if you look at the, the epidemic curves from Los Angeles, uh, Arizona, Texas, Florida, Georgia, it's almost the same basic curve. Arizona is a little bit higher than us in terms of per capita mortality. Georgia, Florida, Texas, pretty, pretty close. There were all different reopenings, different policies. And so, um, you know, and then Los Angeles, obviously, they were one of the most restrictive of any place, and they basically had the similar thing that we had to deal with. So I think we're ready to deal with it. But the question is, is has there been a second wave anywhere? I think we should prepare for that, but there has not yet been. What you see in Europe is a lot of cases, uh, very few hospitalizations, but in the areas that you're seeing it, those are areas that weren't, weren't uh, really affected the first time. Um, so, so we'll be ready for it. I think people should still understand that the virus, it doesn't go away. I mean, even if you have a vaccine, it doesn't go away because the chance of the vaccine being 100% effective is very small. Uh, but I would just tell people, the fact that you continue to move forward with the economy, it doesn't mean that um, you know, the virus disappears. And so people should just understand it's something that we're gonna have to deal with. But doing that from a fetal position where society flounders, people are out of work, kids aren't in school, that is not gonna work and that's not the way forward for us. The governor's executive order forcing counties into what he calls phase three confirms what we knew all along. Home rule is an illusion under Ron DeSantis. Cities and counties are free to do what they want as long as they're doing what the governor wants. Consider the Miami-Dade School Board. They held a marathon meeting last week that went on for more than 29 hours where they heard from health experts and more than 750 witnesses before they decided to hold off on a full reopening of public schools until October 22nd. Then along comes Education Commissioner Richard Corcoran responding with a letter expressing grave concerns about the slow reopening, ordering all Miami-Dade schools to reopen by October 5th. So an unelected bureaucrat in Tallahassee apparently knows better than all the local folk in South Florida. The school board has scheduled an emergency meeting tomorrow to figure out how to respond. Broward is facing similar problems because they too want a soft reopening in October. Now, the governor insists the science is on his side, and he cherry-picks the metrics to bolster his case while ignoring the elephant in the room that Florida still has a serious case of COVID-19. The World Health Organization has recommended governments reopen their economies only when the positivity rate is 5% or below for at least two weeks. There have been more than 700,000 cases in Florida. The number crunchers at Johns Hopkins say our positivity rate is 13.3%. Now, the governor does not agree with the way that rate is calculated. He claims the actual number is much lower. However, that 5% recommendation from the WHO is not based on DeSantis's new math. 
The governor's latest order does give local officials a bit of political cover, though. If they are forced to reopen schools before they believe it's safe, then every single death of a child, a teacher, or a school employee in Miami-Dade can be blamed on the governor and the education commissioner. Now, that would stop most politicians in their tracks, but not DeSantis. He rarely mentions the number of Floridians who have died on his watch, so we will. The coronavirus has now killed 14,202 people in Florida. We've averaged 105 fatalities every day over the past week. And this is not a surge. It is business as usual in the Sunshine State. Next on the Sunrise interview, a conversation about filing insurance claims during a very nasty hurricane season. But first, a word from our sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. Predict It is like the stock market for all things politics. Instead of trading stock in companies, you're investing money into your opinions on everything from election results to how many times President Trump will tweet this week. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Our podcast listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Try it today. Welcome back to Sunrise. We're a bit late on this, but September is National Preparedness Month, and if you're not prepping for hurricanes, you haven't been paying attention for the past few months. We've already burned through the alphabet of storms and are now naming them after Greek letters. Michael Carlson is an attorney with PIF, the Personal Insurance Federation of Florida, and he says this is a dangerous time for residents of the Sunshine State. You know, Florida is a very high-risk market for homeowners insurance. It's one of the most expensive markets for homeowners insurance. It's a difficult market to work in in terms of homeowners insurance for the single reason that we have so many hurricanes and tropical storms uh, that affect the state. We are now, as you put, pointed out, in a, a Greek alphabet uh, part of the season. We're closing out National Preparedness Month this September, which is, ends next week. We've got 60 plus more days of hurricane season uh, before us. And you know, my message would be uh, Floridians need to be alert and vigilant. They need to be prepared. Um, the most important thing they need to be doing are, is looking at their insurance policy if they haven't already. They need to figure out what insurance they have and what it will cost them in the event they have an insurance claim. And you, you made an interesting, you asked an interesting question about what kind of coverage do people have and what sort of the uninsured. You know, I don't know the level of homeowners, the number of homeowners or the percentage of the market that is uninsured. The majority of homeowners who own their own homes more than likely have insurance. And that's because if they have a mortgage, which most do, they will be obligated to have some sort of uh, homeowner's insurance to cover the value of the mortgage at least. Um, and so there'll be a smaller group of Floridians who may not have insurance. They own their own home. They're willing to bear the risk. I think that's very dangerous uh, in this state because the risk is pretty substantial. And unless you have the money to replace your roof, replace your whole house and the contents of your house, if it's totally destroyed in a storm, um, you need insurance. Um, one of the things, though, that we keep finding is that Floridians do not realize many, in many cases that they do not have flood insurance. We are a flood-prone state. Yes, in a hurricane, a lot of the damage is caused by wind. Uh, wind will take your roof off, no question, but flood will move your whole house off the slab. Flood is offered by few private insurance companies in Florida and is mostly offered by the national program called the National Flood Insurance Program. It's a federally-backed program that provides flood insurance. And I would encourage your listeners to check and see if they've got flood. If you don't, you need to see where your home is, see where you are in the flood maps that are drawn by the federal and state governments, figure out what your risk of loss is because if you have four, five, six, eight, nine foot storm surge, 
that can directly impact your property, you need flood insurance. If you do need coverage, it will not be easy to find at the height of the season. But Carlson says it's still available if you look hard enough. Hurricane insurance is available. Um, it is hard during hurricane season to find a company to write you if you don't have it. That is true. Um, it, and, and that is because insurance companies are concerned about writing a brand new property in the middle of the hurricane season where there could be a loss, you know, within days or weeks, you know, of writing that property. So the best time to get insurance is after season. So after November 30 and before June 1, when you do have insurance coverage, an insurance company cannot uh, uh, cancel that insurance coverage during the hurricane season. Uh, and there's one exception, and that is if you have not paid the premium. They can cancel you for not making your payments, but otherwise they cannot. And uh, they have to provide advance notice uh, during hurricane season if they intend to cancel you after hurricane season. So it is difficult to get insurance, not impossible, difficult to get insurance during hurricane season. I hope most Floridians already have it. If you're looking for insurance, call an agent or call insurance companies or go online and find out who's writing in your area. Um, insurance agents are very, very helpful uh, folks in Florida. They're great small businessmen and women whose interest is in making sure you're covered. And they will give you a wealth of information if you reach out. If you can find coverage, it will cost you. Florida is one of the most expensive states for homeowner insurance and prices are going up. Carlson blames trial lawyers and other people who try to get between homeowners and insurance companies in order to make a buck. You know, one of the things that makes Florida a difficult place to insure homes is, unfortunately, our litigiousness. We are a very litigious state. We have a very good trial bar. Um, I'm a member of the Florida bar. Uh, I have great respect for the members of the trial bar. When you are aggrieved, um, your, uh, your right is to file a lawsuit against the person or, or entity that aggrieved you and go to court. However, there is a really effective cottage industry of lawyers and others who become involved as intermediaries between the homeowner and the insurance company. And their, uh, their goal as intermediaries is to profit. They will come to the homeowner and say, I will represent you. They might be a public adjuster. They might be a, a lawyer. They might be what are called loss consultants. They'll say, hey, I will help you get more money from your insurance company. And in the case of the, of the lawyers, they'll say, and if you don't get what you want, we'll sue the insurance company and I'll make some money. That has helped drive up the cost of claims. We're hearing through this summer already that in I-4 and certain other parts of the state, some insurance companies are not writing new homeowners business because the environment has gotten so litigious that the cost of claims has risen beyond the capacity of that insurer um, to, to handle. Uh, Barry Gilway, the president of Citizens, has just done a report to the Board of Governors this week where he said they're gonna start increasing the growth of Citizens property insurance companies which means policies leaving the private market going into the government residual market on the order of four or 6% a year now because of these problems. One of the things we're trying to do in Tallahassee, you know, I'm a lobbyist, frankly, um, uh, is to uh, uh, work with the legislature to try to address these, these problems. We've got to take away some of the incentives for third parties to try to gain the system to profit at the expense of the insurance consumers who have to pay insurance rates. If we can do that, we hope uh, and we expect that insurance rates will be more affordable. Insurance will be more affordable. There'll be more options for insurance for Floridians. And I think long-term, that's the best course of action, short of mitigating homes, which is another great idea, um, that we have to try to address the, the affordability and availability of property insurance in Florida. So we look forward, hopefully, to a good session try to get around these problems. For the past few years, the big concern for insurance companies was a process called AOB, Assignment of Benefits. 
That law has been changed at their request. But Carlson says some of the same problems have emerged in a brand new way. It's not really AOB anymore, but it is, it is similar in that AOB provided an incentive, as you know, for people to, to file claims and sue over small dollar amounts. What we're seeing now is a what appears to be a new trend, which is they're directly soliciting those homeowners. Instead of taking a contract with the homeowner, they're saying to the homeowner, look, we'll represent you and you talk to the insurance company instead of us. And if we don't get you and I get what we want, we'll sue them. So it's a variation on that theme. I think AOB reform has, an, has had a positive effect on the market. It's kind of driven down some of the AOB litigation, but we all worried that they would just shift into what we would call first party um, lawsuits representing the homeowner. I don't know about you, but I, I'm, you know, I'm in Tallahassee. Um, I got these. I get these great, large, glossy mailers in my mailbox that look like political mail, but they're plumbing solicitations. I have an old home. They say, hey, your home is more than 25 years old. Uh, you may be entitled to a brand new plumbing courtesy of your insurance company. Let us know. And it's a plumbing contractor out of Orlando. And there is no question in my mind that that would be then tied to a, an attorney law firm that would be engaged when that plumbing contractor comes in, does work on my home. Um, they engage that attorney. The attorney would then tell me, look, I'll let me represent you if the, if the insurance company doesn't give you, you know, doesn't pay for your new plumbing. And, uh, and we're seeing that with, with roofing. Uh, companies, particularly in I-4, they're leaving hanger, door hangers. They are soliciting directly door-to-door. -door. I've had people, friends of mine in Tallahassee, who've also had that experience where people come to their door and say, hey, there was a big hailstorm here a couple weeks ago. Um, why don't you let us inspect your roof? You might be entitled to a free roof. All those kinds of solicitations by these third parties, these intermediaries, are designed for them to make money and profit. They're not designed or intended to really help the homeowner and we worry about that. Our guest today on the Sunrise Interview has been Michael Carlson of the Personal Insurance Federation of Florida. Your calendar of events gets off to a late start at 2 this afternoon. That's when incoming House Speaker Chris Sprouls and State Senator Joe Gruders, who chairs the Florida GOP, will take part in an online news conference by the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association, which is opposing a constitutional amendment that would gradually increase Florida's minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour. That proposal, Amendment 2, is on the November ballot. The trustees of Polk State College meet at four in Lakeland, and the Subcommittee on Capital Investment Strategy of the University of Florida Board of Trustees is meeting at 4.30 to talk about campus infrastructure projects and the new budget. The full Board of Trustees meets Tuesday. Finally today, a Florida woman who collected almost $12,000 to help pay final expenses for three murder victims is now facing criminal charges. Investigators in Polk County say 32-year-old Amanda Brown set up a GoFundMe account to raise money for three men from Frostproof who were killed during a fishing trip in July and then spent the money on herself. Brown told investigators she really wanted to help, but when the money started rolling in, she began spending it for personal items like paying her water bill, shopping at Walmart. Brown is charged with five counts of criminal use of personal ID, one count of grand theft, one count of misrepresentation of proceeds, and one count of fraud. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.